all of the successful people that you see now in music in some form or fashion, they have an area of mastery in communication. That's the mastery that we're talking about. And that is what will allow you to ride all of those waves. Yes, you might have to learn, no, here comes the playlisting wave. Here comes the damn TikTok wave. You know, there's going to be the waves that are annoying that will force you into being adaptable. But if you already know like excellent communication and, and there's of course other things to know, those waves as they come at you, you're going to ride them out so much better. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, and we're here. We're officially live with the one and only R.L. Hyatt. So thank you so much for taking time to be here today. How are you doing? I'm so good because... Ta-da! Yeah, look at that. That is her brand new book. Give me the news. I, you just told me. By what. I just wanted, well, the I wanted to share The news is the, the UPS woman arrived with four giant boxes of my author copies. So it's, I, I really relate to how my artists feel. For those of you that print merch or print CDs, for those of you that still do that, it, it just feels so like I did this, I did this. It is an incredible accomplishment. Oh. I think writing any any books is <laughs> a book in general is an accomplishment, but uh, writing multiple books, which are bestsellers is a much higher accomplishment. Speaking of which, so I'm guessing what did you get like 35 or 30 or top 25 or like what was like the ranking of the new book that just came out? Number one. <laughs> it was number, number one. one. It was, I think we were still on my screen, so we couldn't see you holding up your <laughs> finger, but she was holding up her finger. She got it's number one. So bestseller right now is on Amazon. It's bestseller. Number one in the music business category. So, so yes, it feels, for those of you that don't listen, when people say build your email list, I am here to tell you <laughs> that is how this happened. I have a nice email list and a lot of people that have known me signed up for the book pre-order on Amazon and we are number one, which feels really, really good. Well, congratulations. That is awesome. And, you know, having gotten to know you, like I, I know how good the book is. And so it's not just about like, you know, number one, but it's also just about the impact and like how much that book is good. Like the ripple effects that are going to come from what you just released out into the world. It's absolutely incredible. So congratulations. And thank you. Um, and shout out to you right here, right here. That's you, you are quoted. Here's what you said. In a sea of increasingly saturated information, sometimes it can be difficult to know who to trust. Ariel has a voice that cuts through the noise by sharing gems of wisdom and real world experience earned from a lifetime of service. If you're a musician, get this book. It will save years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your beautiful quote. Thank you. It's, it's, it's truth. Yeah, it took, I was like, I wanted to encapsulate the awesome sauce 
the awesome sauce without using the word awesome sauce on the, on the reviews. So um, it's an honor to, to be, to be on the book. And again, I, I know that it's going to make a huge impact for so many artists. And, and also, I mean, shameless, shameless plug and go get the book. If you haven't yet, if you're watching this right now, you, if you're a musician and you're here right now, then I think that the book is going to be super valuable for you. Having read it myself, I think that it's, it's a must read for, for any, any artists um, who are interested in, and really diving into the world of PR and publicity and really just having a, like, I think one thing that I really appreciate about you, Ariel, is how the the foundation, like, you know, you've been doing this for, for, it's like a lifetime of experience and so much real world knowledge from the artists that you're working with personally. And I just, I, what I said was true. Like, I, I think that learning from decades of experience is going to save people probably years of, of time. So it's, it's awesome to to be here. And so let's, let's go ahead and let's, let's dive into the actual, to the interview and the conversation so we can share some of those gems of wisdom that we've been talking about. And, and also again, definitely get the book if you haven't yet, cause it's, it's awesome. So Ariel, for anyone who, who's here right now, who maybe they've, they've heard of you once or twice, or maybe this is their first time connecting with you. Could you just share, share your story quickly to introduce yourself? Absolutely. My name is Ariel Hyatt. My company is called Cyber PR for 25 years, I have served the independent musician community. I started as a traditional PR firm back, back, back in 1996. And today, through all the iterations of the business, we have pivoted more times than I'd like to talk about. However, right now, what we are today is we are half artist development company. So we write long-term marketing plans and we help our artists really vision what does the next look like for you, no matter what that is. The other thing we do is half PR. So we are a publicity firm. We get our artists PR, blogs, podcasts, online, minimal playlists, some not, we're not a playlisting company, but that is in our wheelhouse. And then we also do social media management and social media posting. The thing that I've always stood by for the last 25 years, as you might have figured out, is I love helping the community. So we have a blog. There's 400 plus articles there about all things marketing related for musicians. Plus, this is my fifth or maybe sixth book that I've just published. That is my passion, is writing to help artists. I also have a podcast. You can take courses, which many of them are free on my website, cyberparamusic.com. But that in a nutshell, is me. Awesome. Let's dive in. So, you know, having 25 years plus of experience working with artists and kind of seeing how things have changed over time and also some of the foundation, the things, you know, stuff is always changing, but then there's also the principles, the things that they don't really change. I'm curious about what are the same, the, some of the biggest patterns of, of challenges and mistakes that you see artists making when it comes to PR and publicity and, and sharing their story? So unlike God-given musical talent, the good news about publicity and, and any kind of PR, and we'll talk about the differences, I know we're gonna talk about the differences today, is it's learnable. It's learnable, and once you kind of get what it's all about, once the lights go on about what you can learn about it, things will shift. The, the mistakes I see artists make is they just don't understand how to communicate in a public relations or a publicity manner. They totally know how all y'all watching, you know how to communicate your music. That's not the problem. The problem, and, and most of you, I think, I know, because I work with tons of artists, 
You're really good also at communicating your brand. What do you look like? What, what's your color scheme? You know, are you funny? Are you witty? Are you dry? Are you political? Are you satirical? Are you negative? Like everybody has a sort of a music brand. I think those are the two areas where artists do really well. Where they fall down is understanding how do I translate the music and the brand into a strategy for communication that is effective with the media or with anyone that you're trying to get to in the industry because PR is just one kind of communication. And I think the other thing is artists, sometimes when they're trying to get publicity, they give up too easily. So not understanding the enormous amount of work that it actually does take to get PR is is the second part of 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 the two biggest mistakes I see. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire Music Mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight Series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and and maybe the most valuable is that you're going to have this this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you want to take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, From there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast for the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Yeah, I've, I've heard that analogy before in terms of, you know, communicating with different groups of people in terms of like supervisors or communicating when it comes to PR, but it's just a different language. So it's like, you might be really good at speaking English or speaking one language, but taking that and being able to actually communicate that is, is a skill. And it's like learning a language. You can learn another language. So for anyone who's, who's watching this right now, who's maybe not fully clear on what exactly do you mean when, when you're talking about PR and publicity and also like, what are the benefits of PR and publicity? How would you share like an overview of, of those things? So I do think PR and publicity get collapsed and people think that PR is publicity and vice versa, but that that is not the case. The book that I've just written is called The Ultimate Guide to Music Publicity, meaning Mm. getting mentions, getting written about, getting articles, getting interviews, getting placements on podcasts or on playlists. That is what I think of as publicity. That is sort of a artist to media of some sort, although 
the thing that has changed radically so much since I started the business is media changed from traditional, which was newspapers, television, radio, and magazines to all the other forms that we now see. PR is your public relations. What does that mean? Everyone out there is the public. Relations is how you are relating to them. So the PR bucket is different. It, it encapsulates, like you said, when you're talking to music supervisors, or if you are trying to put together a plan for connecting with fans or your social media, that is all in the PR category. So the public and how you're relating and the public is not necessarily the media. So unfortunately, you need sort of a separate strategy for each unit of people that you're communicating with. So it's very interesting. You do need to think about PR, but if you start collapsing it and not understanding the nuance between when I talk to you, it's B2B. When I talk to a fan, it's B2C. Awesome. Okay. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that PR publicity are often combined, but really like they are separate things. They're both about communicating, but they're different groups of people, which is hugely different. So PR is more about public relations, kind of like a B2C uh, business to consumer, which is a lot different than publicity, which is a lot about communicating with the media. And, and so what do you say are some of the things that differentiate, like what are the differences between how you might want to communicate in a PR sense from like how you might want to communicate in a media sense? So if you approach a music supervisor, you're talking about the tone, you're talking about the running length of your song, you're talking about how it fits in, all of that. You wouldn't send that same pitch to the media because when I say media, I mean maybe like a newspaper editor, because that person is probably looking for something else. They're looking for, is there a local angle? Do you have a show? You know, what is the story for my reader? Everybody has a different target, television or movie watchers, different target than people reading the newspaper. So you do have to kind of take that into account and understand that your success will come when you can figure out, okay, this is how we communicate this way. And, you know, if you have sort of an edgy approach that maybe works totally on your social media, or you're like super dry and sarcastic, that might not play well with the media who doesn't understand that and who wants a more formal kind of pitch. So you really do have to understand as well who you're speaking to. And a lot of what I talk about in the book is there's a whole section of the book called Measure a Lot, Cut Once. I see the opposite happen often with artists where they just like don't measure, vomit out whatever they can into the world. Like I got a media list. There's 300 people on it. I'm sending everyone the same thing. The media see right through that and they don't like it. I'd rather you pick 10 targets who you think are the perfect 10 for you and take the time to write individual emails pitches speaking directly to that one person. And that would be a much more effective way than blanketing the world with a sort of semi-targeted thing. Mm. 
That's so good. Now you made me so happy when you showed that that mind map. <laughs> I'm a, a sucker for mind maps. I use them for like everything. I have like a mind map for our conversation and for the event and stuff. So I, I love I think that mind maps really reflect a lot of the ways that like our mind works. And so I also I loved the uh, the quote measure 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 a lot before you cut. And so I would love to dive a little bit deeper into specifically that process of first kind of deciding like, how do you find out who are those 10 people who are most likely to be a good fit to reach out to? And once you uh, just kind of have like an overview, I think of the process of someone sitting down, I got a new song, actually speaking as someone who has some new music that he's going to be releasing pretty soon. I'm very curious to kind of hear how you would sit down and kind of process at a higher level. What are the stages that they should go through leading up to the release to make sure that they're doing the best job that they can with communicating and finding the right, the right publicity for them? Sure. So the first thing you want to do is think about where you're at. You are at a level where you have millions of streams and a lot of followers. You have national tours under your belt. So for you to make a target list that has sort of some major publications would not be a stretch because you can lead your pitch with, we have over X amount of million streams. We've toured an X amount of hundreds of times around the country, et cetera. Those are accolades that larger media outlets will pick up on. That's okay. That's not to discourage you, but it is to say that when you do decide to make this target list, ask yourself and be honest with yourself. Is it your first record where you're trying to do some PR, your first single? Have you had some PR? What level are you at? So if you're at the level, let's just say, I would say about the average artist that comes to us has fewer than 10,000 followers across social channels. So maybe you have a nice 5,000 here, 3,000 there, 4,000 there, it's 10,000. That's a decent number, but that's probably not Rolling Stone numbers. It's probably not Pitchfork numbers. It's probably not some of those larger outlets that are looking for larger followings. So that's the first question. How big are you? Second question, where are you from? If you're from not New York City, Chicago, San Francisco, or LA, or Nashville, you might look for your local media outlets where it would be much easier. I just moved up to a small town in Western Massachusetts, and I opened up my daily paper a couple months ago, and an artist who I know who lives in the next town over had a enormous double page spread all about his new album coming out, what he's up to, how he's handled this pandemic, his photos of his recording studio. I mean, it was like amazing, but we live in a small community where there's not a whole lot of artists. So maybe that's your target, a local paper in your community. Of course, if you live in a larger city, you could try that, but hard to get the New York Times to pay attention when there's when you're competing with a city of 9 million people. So that's another angle, local. Third angle, genre. What genre of music are you playing? That may not align with what genre of music some of these more trendy, buzzy blogs are covering. That has nothing to do with your talent, how good you are, how well executed the music is, but Marla Lewis, who is a beloved human in both of our worlds, she makes jazz standards. She's not going to go on stereo gum, drowned in sound, pitchfork. Those are inappropriate. She's making kind of a modern day female Michael Buble vibe kind of music. 
right? So what genre? And then what publications are in that genre? And then the next question below that is, once you identify those publications, who are they covering? So if I pull a whole lot of publications for Marla Lewis, and I realize this magazine and this newspaper really only covering Michael Buble and, you know, huge, huge household name artists, sure, I could take a stab at it, but the probability, if they're really only covering Tony Bennett, the probability of them covering Marla Lewis, small. So then ask yourself and look at, look at, does this publication cover emerging my genre the, and start clicking around and looking. If you don't understand who you're talking to, you will never get the result. So those, those are what you should look for and how you should begin to hone your target list. There are some amazing tools like Submit Hub and Music Submit. Those are two wonderful platforms for less than, I think it's about 50 bucks, really. You can submit your music to a couple of hundred outlets and it's like a buck for each submission, but you'll get results because you'll, they'll have to give you feedback. And so I would say when you're just starting out or even after you're established, we've worked with many established artists. We've put them through Submit Hub and they have to give an answer for that dollar that you spend. So that's another great way when you're selecting targets. Make a quick note to remind myself about Submit Hub for the songs <laughs> going out. See, that's that's what's great. It's it's I, I love having conversations like this because it's a it's a way for me to stay fresh as well. And like the things that I know that I should be doing, but also but are you know things that you know it, it's interesting like how repetition and mastery like it's it's something it's not just like a one and done kind of thing. It's not like you take a bath and then it's just like all right, well like. Like I'm done taking baths forever. You know, it's like something that that comes with repetition. <laughs> That's true. Um, okay, so someone is sitting here right now. They've they've sat down and they've mapped out. And they made a list, and you know, let, let's say that this was person who is pretty pretty early on in their career. But let's say that they have around ten thousand followers on their social media platforms, and now they're looking at okay, I'm got this new release coming out. And I want to you know, get a few publications. So it sounds like one of the biggest opportunities would be, and one of the mistakes is like, you know, going for like the ultimate big dog you know, right off the bat when it's like, they're not really covering smaller artists, but maybe a good starting point would be looking around locally and seeing some local publications, seeing news. So let's say that someone makes a list and they have 10 different places that I think they think would be a good fit to, to have, to reach out to. Mm-hmm. How about from there? So how, how do they reach out? And have, what are your biggest mistakes when it comes to like reaching out and like a higher level view at that process? Okay, so first of all, I don't want for those of you thinking like and feeling hopeless. If you have that goal, that pitchfork is your jam and that's where you wanna be or any of those larger blogs, absolutely send it there. 100% take a stab at it, go for it. Follow what I'm about to say, go for it. Don't discount it, but also, add some smaller fish into your target list. So I just want to say that. Okay, next, know who you're talking to. This is the pain in the arse part of the journey. You have to actually go read those newspapers, look at those blogs, listen to those podcasts, 
hilariously, I have a podcast. You've been on it. What do I do? I talk to people in the music industry about the music industry and about marketing and promotion. And sometimes I talk to artists about their extraordinary journeys with marketing and promotions. I do not play music. However, I'm on all these really bad publicist lists that send me music constantly saying, we'd love to be played on your podcast. One second listening to one episode or five seconds on the podcast page on my website would let you see, I don't play music on my podcast. Not a great look. So know who you're talking to and try to find out as much as you can about them. And the book actually breaks this down. A lot of journalists, playlisters, bloggers, they gave their best golden nuggets of advice about what they like to see from an artist and what they hate to see. And what they hate to see is that canned email where you've just filled in, dear Michael. And then the rest of it is clearly like, they don't know you, they haven't observed what you do. They're just hitting you with the pitch. So you might want to start a pitch like, dear Michael, I have spent a lot of time on the Modern Musician website, and I love what you're doing to help emerging artists. And I really think you're providing a great service to independent artists. I, then you can start, you start with flattery and with understanding. Or you could say, hey, writer at whatever blog, fill in the blank. I noticed that you've done a great review on Tim Kyle. Tim Kyle founded one of the founding members of Arcade Fire, one of my favorite bands of all times, and one of my inspirations for making music. And I think you might like my album because you reviewed Tim. Now notice, I didn't go for Arcade Fire. They're huge. They've already like, they hit the big time a long time ago. You want to find someone who's smaller or has a more niche audience. Talk to your writer or your blogger or your playlister about I really think that my song fits in perfectly on this playlist after this track, show that you took the time. That gives the person on the other end who works very, very hard to curate whatever it is they're writing and putting into the world, it gives them a, a place to put you. You've invited them to put you in that place. And you've also said, I see you, I know you, I get you, I like what you're doing, and I'm not just filling in the Dear Michael line, and then sending something that's not going to be attached. So that's the pain in the arse. That's why I say only make 10. 10 is doable. You can look at, you can listen to 10 podcasts. You could read 10 music blogs. You could look at 10 online publications and see, look back at all of their music archives and see, did they cover indie artists? What kind, et cetera. I also do recommend finding an artist that's four to five years ahead of you, maybe two to four years. And like, maybe it was a band that you opened for or an artist that you know, someone that records in the same studio as you, someone from your hometown. Don't go for the largest star from your hometown. Go for someone who's, who's making the rounds, Google them, figure out where they've been interviewed. I run a blog on behalf of a client. It's a parenting blog and we feature parents who make music. And on the Facebook page the other day, I got this lovely note from an artist who said, you featured one of my very, very dear friends who I is also a mommy and we, our daughters are in the same play group and I would love to share my music with you. Immediately that showed me that person looked, listened, knew what they were talking about 
And of course, she's going to be featured on the blog. So you can do that. That is how to connect the dots. So that's my best advice as far as like what you're including in your pitch. Mm. That's so good. And I mean, one, uh, one gem of wisdom that you just shared too, that I think that I want to like reiterate on is the idea of, because I, I see this as like a foundational thing that apply that helps in so many different ways is what you talked about, you know, finding artists that are just ahead of you, that are just ahead of you, not necessarily, I mean, the biggest ones in the world, a lot of times, you know, if we try to jump too quickly, or if we're like, okay, I want to be the next Bruno Mars and okay, I just need to do what Bruno Mars is doing right now. Then there's like this disconnect because, you know, Bruno Mars is like, you know, so, so massive and like acting like he acts right now. There's like, it's just too big of a jump. But if you start out by being strategic about making a list of similar artists to you that are just, just that next step ahead, a few steps ahead, those are also the people that you probably want to reach out to and connect with. And you have much like more likely to actually get a hold of them and connect with them. And, you know, constantly putting yourself in a peer group of people who are just a step ahead of you, I think is like one of those, those traits that is so valuable if you're you know, looking to make some sort of transformation or anything. And specifically, like one of the, the takeaways, you know, for, for that, based on what we're talking about here is that, yeah, like you research them and you can see what are the publications they've been on? What are they doing? What, what shows are they, what venues are they playing at? And it definitely seems like that's, that's the smart, the smart path forward that isn't necessarily like, you know, as it's not like a quick instant get rich quick kind of thing, but it's the way that works. And that's one of the things that I appreciate about you is, is sharing, sharing the wisdom and, and the things that the things that that do work. So, so I just want a little bit of a, a ramble there. But so let's say that that someone completely wraps up their release and they actually and they got a few awesome pieces of publication, maybe from a local newspaper, maybe from like a few blogs or magazine. And now they've got some really cool write-ups. What, what do your recommendations be for people to really leverage leverage those? So this is the thing I also see all the time is artists even artists that hire publicists, there's a whole section of the book about how to do that. If this is not your thing, you don't want to go through all this trouble of dealing with all this stuff, you can hire someone. But the publicist or, or you, you'll work really, really hard to get these placements. And then it's amazing. Most artists don't do what I call leverage. That is the next step in your publicity journey. So let's say you've got that article. Maybe if you're lucky, the publication will share it once. They'll make an Instagram story or they'll post it on their Twitter feed and that will have like a, I don't know, 45 second shelf life and then it's gone and, and you're bummed. You're like, well, you know, it went up and yeah, maybe it's in the archive of that blog, but it is up to you to blow the promotional steam into the wings of this piece, right? You want to make it fly. So visualize it, create tiles for Twitter, for Facebook, for your Instagram. You want to choose a really nice quote, maybe a quote that the, the writer said about your music or about you. You want to visualize it. You want to post it on your social media. You want to make sure it's on your press kit, on your website. And even more importantly, you want to share it with your fans. So put it in a newsletter. Say, hey, we're so excited. The Albuquerque Journal just said this about us, which means so much to us because we're from Albuquerque. You know, so for example, also it gets back, especially in a small community, it gets back to the editor at the Albu Albuquerque Journal that this band wrote about them in their newsletter. 
and mentioned and tagged them on their social sites. So this is actually a way of A, continuing to promote the great promotion you got, B, saying thank you to the people who took the time to write about you, and C, you can strategically use this for leverage. So not only do you want to put it on your socials and make a press page on your website and include there, but you might also create a separate email list of local promoters or people that you would like venues you might want to play in. And when you get a beautiful article or a great moment, like it could even be like a social media moment, you post something, it goes viral for us. I'm not talking about viral, like 10 million people saw it, but I think if three or 400 people see a post on Facebook in today's no organic pickup reach reality, that's a nice amount of people. You could take a screenshot of that and say, I posted this recently and 400 people took the time to share it. And I wanted to show you, this is the kind of reach I have. You could send that to a promoter. You could send that to a booking agent. You could send that to the local festival that has that second stage you've been trying to get on and they won't give you the time of day because they're owned by an obnoxiously large conglomerate that only seems to book major artists and say, hey, I just want you to see we're working really hard in our local community. And I talk about specifically one artist in my book. His name is Al Laughlin. And Al is from Denver. He was in a band when I started out 25 years ago called The Samples. They were very big from the Boulder, Colorado area. Many, many years later is not in the band anymore, but he's got his own solo project. He called me up. He's like, I can't really get a lot of gigs. I said, well, that's ridiculous. You were like as famous as famous gets in the Colorado mountain town area. We put together a strategy. And the strategy was every time he got a piece of press that we generated for him, he put it in an email and sent it to all the local promoters and said, hey, just want to show you the Denver Post, the Colorado Daily, the local music blogs here in Colorado are covering me. I, every time will always send it out to my community of people. I will work just as hard for you as you will for me if you'll take a gamble on booking me. And it worked, he got more gigs because if it's between for an, a booking agent, you and 25 other people that want the gig, you wanna give the gig to the person that's letting you know, I've got a publicist or I will do my own publicity. I will push this. I will be sure to go the extra mile to help promote any show that I'm booked on. That is called strategic publicity enhancement right there, leverage. Mm. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's so good. And I feel like as is common with most people who achieve mastery in any sort of topic, it's something that just sort of, it's, it's ingrained in their DNA or it's something that's reflected in everything that they do. So as you were just describing that, one thing that came to mind was your book and the quote that you reached out to that is on the back of the book. You know, that's something that, you know, it's not necessarily like, like, it's like a media publication, like I have like a newspaper or something, but, you know, we have an audience and, you know, with the, the quote, when you shared it, like, that makes me feel really good. Like, I'm, I'm like, that's cool. Like, it's got, it's, it's got my voice on it. And, and everything that I'm sharing is, is 100%, 100% true and, and from my heart. But I could see how, as you're describing really leveraging the content from when you share, like when you do get a newspaper article or you get a nice quote or you get something from someone, you know, you actually leveraging that and sharing that and using it and putting it in front of your, your people is a great way to make them feel appreciated. And that's going to build a deeper relationship with them and being able to leverage that as well. 
for the other people you're reaching out to is awesome. And think about it. If you let's remove that from the publicity bucket and put it in the PR bucket, you can do this with another band. You can do this with anyone. Like maybe the local radio station in your hometown won't play your stuff because it's a commercial station and that's they're not, you're not ready for that. You could certainly ask the program director to give you a quote about your song or about your band if they saw you or know you in some way. And you can say, the program director for WKRP said this about me. And you can put that on your website. You can ask that band that you opened for or that producer that you worked with or the person that owns the recording studio that you spent a lot of money at or any of that and say, hey, I'd really, really appreciate it if you'd give me a quote. This is how businesses work. Whenever I do business with really great people, they will often call me and say, just like think about your LinkedIn endorsements. Like people ask all the time, like, hey, you've worked with me. You had an experience with me. Would you mind giving me a testimonial? You can ask for that. That is another form of PR. And I think artists don't think to do that. You could even just send an email out to your mailing list and say, hey, we would love to hear what you think. Would you give us a quote about what you thought of our live show or what you think of our new single? And then you can use those in your social media and shine a light right back onto your fans. It's, an, it's a wonderful thing to do. And that fits in the PR bucket and it's leverage. If, if Michael said that about me or if Claire said that about me, People always believe what other people say more than they believe what you say. So having a quote, even if it's from your mom, is, is a way of saying something that doesn't come straight from you where the person goes, oh, look at that person bragging about it. They don't, they sound like Sting. But if someone else says you sound like Sting and that's who you want to sound like, that's pretty awesome. Get that in writing. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I, I love that idea too of, of talking asking, reaching out to your fans and asking them for a quote. You know, it seems like a really awesome on multiple levels because one, you're connecting with your audience and you're, you know, for people who haven't necessarily really listened to the song or thought about the song enough to, you know, give a detailed quote on it, they might be listening to the song for the first time even and like actually listen to it and then think, thinking about it and thinking, hmm, like, what are my, what are my thoughts on this? There's so much engagement and just interaction there that happens from just asking for the quote and then being able to leverage that and be able to shine a light on them. Brilliant. You know, that's one of those, that's one of those gold nuggets that just, <laughs> just fell out of the sky. As we're talking. But one Boom. other thing, just one other thing. And this is, you know, we're not really talking about email newsletters right now, but when you send an email and you ask all your fans, Hey, could you say something about what you think when they write you back, that's an invitation to have an even deeper communication with a potential fan that could become a super fan that could become the next person that says, Hey, come play in my backyard or, Hey, will you play my wedding? Or, Hey, will you write me a song for my daughter's birthday? Or, Hey, I love your stuff. Can I buy your merch? Unless you have a deeper relationship with them, you are never going to have the opportunity to go deeper. So actually asking for them to say something about something is an amazing way to, to just begin to get the door open a little bit. So good. You got my, my brain uh, turning right now too. You know, one of the things that, that we're really starting to focus on yeah, at, at Modern Musician and with like the messenger strategy and, and everything is this idea of what we call hyper in tune surveys, which in a nutshell is just getting on Zoom meetings, Zoom conversations with with your fans and asking them some questions about 
your music and about your offers and the things that you're working on. And if they're interested in any of the things in particular, then you can give them some sort of special deal or something on the conversation. And the point of it isn't necessarily to, you know, to like, it's not like a, a conversation where the point of it is to like sell them something, but a lot of times it kind of turns into that organically. Like, and we've had uh, several artists who've made sales for $3,000 plus to fans through this process of just like getting on Zoom conversations, Yeah. right? It's a beautiful thing. I mean, you're asking someone, it's like, come be in my inner circle. If this, as you're saying that, reminds me of my client, Sally Taylor, who I've known, I've worked for her for 21 years. She's the daughter of James Taylor and Carly Simon. She's an amazing woman. Oh. Years ago, before she put out her second record, she invited 15 of us to a friend's house and we all sat in a big circle. She cooked us a fabulous dinner and we all had our dinner. And then she pulled out her guitar and she played a bunch of songs from her forthcoming record. And she asked each one of us, what do you think of this song? Like, would you put the bridge here? Would you change this here? And I remember that so vividly to be in, well, I worked for her, so it was different, but all those people remember that so vividly. It was like such a moment. And that's like the virtual way of doing it that you're suggesting. It's brilliant. Like imagine in 10 years, when you get to the next level or in five years or tomorrow, whenever, those fans that joined that Zoom call will always be able to say, I was part of your journey. And that's all fans want to be is part of the journey. And if you don't give them that golden opportunity to be part of it, they're totally missing out. So I love that idea. And imagine all the great feedback you get and all the characters you get to meet and all the like the, the people that will, will come to join those, I would love to join one of those Zooms just to see what they look like with some of your artists because that's, that's such a cool thing. I, I, man, as you're sharing that story about 50, like the 15 of you circled around playing the songs, getting feedback, that gave me goosebumps. I'm like, that's a really cool a really cool idea. I think that's another like gem for, for people to, to that, I mean, especially when things start to open, open back up, you know, being able to actually invite 15 of your most supportive fans to actually like come to a, a place where you cook dinner for them and you get their feedback on the songs. So cool. And also I think, I mean, I, th I think that one of the, the biggest benefits of, of doing this and also the reason that I even thought about this was because what you mentioned about doing that initial reach out email to your, to your audience. I think anyone that has an email list can do this today is send out an email that says, Hey, I'm looking for some quotes for my song that I can feature on my website. And if you're open to being featured on my website, could you give me some lines like in response to the song? And then like you were saying, like as they start responding, that creates this open door opportunity where it's like you're you're having this conversation. They just listen to the music. They actually put some thought and engagement into it. And they're, you know, they feel this connection with you because you're actually listening to them and and you're asking them. And then for the people, as many people as you'd like to, you, know, you say, hey, so thank you so much. You're awesome. Thank you so much for giving me some feedback. By the way, I'd love to connect a little bit more and dive deeper and ask you some more questions. Would you be open to hopping on a Zoom call sometime so we can so we can talk more? It's like, boom, like that's like a perfect segue. So that, that's why I started thinking about the the Zoom calls and the hyperintune surveys. But, you know, I, I think there's, there's like an aspect to it. Like one of the biggest benefits is just that the connection and the feedback it seems like and i would love to hear your thoughts on this ariel but like it seems like one of the biggest challenges for musicians especially somewhat earlier on when they haven't really built up much of a presence yet online 
is this feeling of lack of connection or lack of engagement mm-hmm. and feeling like they're just kind of putting something out, but they're not really getting much response and they don't really, yeah. there's just like a lack of feedback. And so I feel like having this sort of direct connection, you know, it's sort of like we learned so much through our ability to communicate one-on-one with people. It's just how we talk. And by seeing someone's face as we describe something, you know, then we might realize like, oh, like I'm boring someone, I'm talking too much. Or you like, you might realize, um, oh, they're like, they're riveted. Like they're like, you know, paying like really close attention. Like this is interesting. And so, you know, I think having those conversations is a really great way to get some real feedback on some of the different ideas, different songs that you're working on, different things that, that different offers. Mm-hmm. So I, I just love the, the idea of connecting what you just shared with that idea of having those conversations. Yeah. Which is why we love your technique here of, I mean, yes, it's a bot and we're honest that it's a bot and we know that it's not you, but those little seeds that you're planting with potential fans can turn into these relationships. But I do also want to say something because I do, I have worked with a lot of artists and there is a little bit of resistance. Sometimes it's resistance and sometimes they literally don't think about this. They call me up, they're in a panic. They don't have any fans yet. And I think social media is doing us a tremendous disservice in the sheer knowledge of how many billions of people are on the other end of that bullhorn, right? You post something on Facebook, you know, there's 2 billion people on Facebook. You post something on any of these platforms, hundreds of millions of people. That's a lot of pressure. Not that hundreds of millions of people will see your stuff, but they could, could go viral. So my three words of wisdom for people that are like, well, I'm not Michael and I haven't toured and I don't have that. I didn't tour half back in the day when yeah, none of all that's the tape you're playing about why it's not working for you, but somehow it seems to work for other people. Three words, start at home. So many artists do not start at home. They go looking out into the world to see, I want to get that person and that random person and everyone that loves Sade will love me or whatever crazy thing you're making up. What about your cousin? What about your best friend from high school? What about your mom? Literally, my mom is on my email list. Today, she's hysterical. She, I talked to her today. She's 86. Someone checks email for her. She's not into that. But she said, you have a book coming out. I said, yes, I do. She said, oh, you know, I, someone had to read your newsletter to me. Hilarious. But she's on my list. Okay. You have to have your people be your closest allies to begin with. And if you don't have enough guts to ask your people, your best friends, your cousins, your mom, your college roommate, the acquaintances you have to get on your email list, you're going to have a huge amount of confronting stuff going on when it comes to getting just those rando people out in the world who don't know you at all. So start at home, build from home. Those 15 people sitting in Sally's living room or in Sally's friend's living room, they were all people we knew. They were in our circle and they are people who to this day still are on her list. I still see them post back when she posts on Facebook. Like those are her core people. I love to talk about, I like Billy Joel. I come from New York city. Don't judge me. If you're like not into him, just understand that the man is a legend. If you're a New Yorker, you go to something called Madison square garden, you see him. Hopefully that will happen again soon. And it's fantastic if you're into that kind of thing. So I go to Madison square garden and you're there and it's a, it's seen It's a real New York thing. And who's in the front row at a Billy Joel concert? his daughter, 
many of his ex-wives, including Christy Brinkley, his, the mother of one of his children, people that you recognize, other celebrities who you know, these are his people. His ex-wife is there cheering him on. That is, when I saw that, I thought, like, it made me feel so good about, like, yes, after all these years, I mean, I also have the privilege of knowing a lot of people who tour with enormously famous artists and bands. And the thing that I know about you two, about Dave Matthews, about Madonna, about my friends all go on tour with these people, because we all started in a tiny venue called the Fox Theater in Boulder, Colorado. And a lot of those guys are now sound guys and lighting guys and rigging guys, and they go out in the world. And I get to go backstage and see. And what I've learned is those core people still travel with the band all those years later. And that should never be discounted. Those are the people who are your initial PR people. So for those of you that really do struggle, like Michael was saying with like, how do I get my first core fans? Don't be afraid to start at home because those are the people who, there is a problem if when you start at home, you don't begin to get more fans eventually. <laughs> that, that's a whole, that's a Seth Godin conversation, but, but you, you definitely don't want to be hesitant about having your people come along for the ride, even if they're not really into the music, they're probably into you if they're your friend for some reason or another. It's important. I love that so much. I, was, I got goosebumps several times throughout that conversation. Start with home. I feel like I want to get a coffee mug with that <laughs> That's on the coffee mug. I think that that's so important. Like what it reminds me of is the the roots of a tree almost it's like the like starting with home like like your roots like there's gonna be and yeah and it, like you had mentioned like it's not necessarily like you're just you're all you're gonna do is stick with with those people and the friends and family and that it could become a thing in and of itself but and like some of the people that you reach out to like that are in your inner circle you know may, may or may not be, come along for the ride they may not be people who are really that interested in supporting you and supporting your music and that's totally cool but starting there is so, so empowering and bringing those people in. And there are going to be those people who are like super into it and super supportive. And, and they both, yeah, maybe they're like really into the music and maybe like at the beginning, they're just really supportive of you and your music career. But that's a, that's a really great lesson, a really great reminder to, to come back to that and to come back to your roots, like figure out like what, what is home and who, who are those people. And, and also it does bring up some sort of like, some like I feel like there's a bit of resistance or a bit of fear that comes up almost from you know being being seen or like or kind of like like bringing that bringing that up to to those people to your friends and your family. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on is that something that that you how would you speak to? Well, this is a good thing to talk about in general with anything like publicity or exposure, you know, being seen, being heard more fully. I feel like there's a natural feeling of fear that kind of happens that fear of being seen. What are your thoughts around that feeling of, of fear and resistance for anyone that, you know, maybe has some of that and they're getting ready to release some songs. They're like, Ooh, I kind of want to put out, I want to share it with my friends and my family and, and other people, but I'm kind of dragging my feet because um, I want to make sure I'm doing it right. And it's perfect. And you know, what would your advice be for, for them? This is really an important thing because it's not a secret that a vast majority, I think it's 65 to 70% of all artists have some sort of mental health thing going on. And mental health, one of the categories is social anxiety or anxiety in general. And I think when you're going to put yourself out into the world, it is anxiety provoking. 
in any form or fashion. That's why social media makes us feel terrible about ourselves. This is like, this is facts. I'm not making up anything. This is why young people like 10, 11, 12, 13 years old should not be on social media. It is killing our youth. So know that there is a component around that anxiety and that stress around putting yourself out there. And I think for some people, it feels more comfortable to put yourself out there in front of people that you don't know. Like you were saying, sometimes the people in your life who should be perceived as there are magical people out there that have incredible parents that support every single thing they do. And then there's a lot of people that do not have that for whatever reason. Don't put your mom on your mailing list if you know that's not going to be a good thing, but find someone, someone in your camp. You know, I, I have a client right now. He's, he's really a challenging client because he doesn't want any of his friends or family to know anything about his music. He's like, I feel like it makes me look desperate. It makes me look thirsty. It makes me look stupid. Like he just has all these stories about why he doesn't want to go there. And I get it. But I also get that he's a great human and a nice person. And I, I, it's really, really hard to coach someone that's like so hell-bent hell bent against wanting to be seen. But okay, it's happening to us. I think in, in some form or fashion, all of us have those moments where like, it just feels too big. But what's really interesting to me about artists is they create music and they have a desire to share it and know your comfort zone. You don't have to do all the things. It's funny. The other day I was on the phone with a client and she said to me, do I have to be on TikTok? And I was like, oh, hell no, you don't have to be on TikTok. Be on TikTok. If TikTok, I'm not on TikTok, it doesn't resonate with me. I, I'm not funny and quirky like that. I can't edit videos really fast. I'm a woman of a certain age. I have to put makeup on. I have to have an angle. I can't do it. It's not my thing. I'd rather just be on Clubhouse because I love to talk and I love when other people talk to me. So Clubhouse is my jam and TikTok is not my jam and that's okay. So figure out where you're comfortable in those zones. Instagram, I think for many, many people is not a great, it's funny, artists love it so much because artists are visual. It makes perfect sense. It's much easier to take a photo than it is sometimes to come up with a lot of text or copy. But for some, that might not be your platform because you don't want to post selfies. It's not your thing. So understand your limits. I am not a big fan of leaning into what makes you feel super uncomfortable. You do have to choose something if you'd like your music out into the world. Your path doesn't have to be Eli Lev's path. It doesn't have to be Zach King's path. Everybody has their own path. And it shows up the way it shows up for everyone in their own unique way. And part of what I love about working with musicians is we don't force them to take, you know, castor oil if they're not into it. Like that, if that's not your thing, I'm not going to force you. I probably will force you to try to use your email list, but everything else, if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. So I would say when all those feelings are coming up of like, this is just such a no for me, you don't have to do it hundreds of millions of people on every platform. Facebook is not your thing for whatever reason, there's other things to choose. So that's my advice as far as that. And yes, there's going to be uncomfortable moments and haters got to hate and there'll always be someone that's not in love and thrilled with what you do, but that's okay. Because for every person that's not in love, 
there'll be someone who is. And it's about finding those people and nurturing those relationships and connections. And don't worry about those other ones. Although I will say one more thing, a negative comment, a negative interaction online, this is science. It resonates 35 times more deeply and more painfully than a positive one. So just take a moment to take that in 35 times. So some moron writes something off color on your Facebook feed, or they don't like something, or they hit, this happened to me the other day. I sent out my, my email about my book that I am so excited, so proud of, and I was showing it off. And he wrote back, I already bought it. Why did I get this email again? He's like furious with me. Thank you for buying it. I'm really sorry. I had trouble filtering my email list because I don't quite know how to use ConvertKit. Please forgive me this one time. Like, don't send me hate mail. And then he wrote back. He's like, oh, I didn't know you'd actually answer. And I was like, dude. <laughs> so I think that's, that's the other piece to that is like, if someone says something off color or horrible, it's an opportunity. Of course, if they say something like disgusting or racist, you just block them. But if they say something that's like questionable, you might just respond because I think we've all forgotten that there's a human on the other end of those communications. He really thought he was just going to press, like respond and be pissy in that email. He probably had a really hard day and he probably felt underappreciated because he already bought my book and sent me an email saying he did. And he was annoyed. I get it. You can just say, my bad. I'm sorry. Sorry. You didn't like it. Don't start a war with them. Don't talk politics. That never seems to go anywhere in 2020 or 2021. Right. But if it's something mundane, let people know you're a human and you're there because that can also shift them immediately. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah, there's certainly a, a superpower in the ability to acknowledge or appreciate or shine a light on, on people. I mean, especially especially when it's someone... Yeah, I think this is like a good, like a super good practice with your audience or with your fan base. Like if someone does something that that helps you out or someone purchased a merchandise bundle or something like that, you know, like giving them a shout out and saying, thank you so much. I appreciate you. You're awesome. Really, I think kind of cements and celebrates and reinforces and makes them feel good makes them feel appreciated. And then also on the flip side, you know, troll, hater, it's someone who's questionable. I agree. I, I think I, I tend to lean in, in the direction of someone who's like, is a bunch of negativity and hatred and toxic. I'm kind of like, all right, well, see you later. <laughs> you know, like that's not, I don't need that in my life. Like I'm not going to be your client anyway. You know, the person that's writing back, like, your stuff is really expensive. Yes, it is. And that's why I have free articles. There's 400 of them. Please go read them. You are never going to hire me in the first place. I don't care if you think I'm expensive. Sorry, find someone that's not expensive and work with them. What, what can I tell you? But to get all upset about that is going to be a waste of your time, right? It's just, it just is. So lean in lightly to that kind of stuff. And I love Seth Godin always said, the reason why he doesn't have comments turned on on his blog and he gets millions of readers is, and I quote, I don't want people to pee pee in my pool. <laughs> it's like, this That's is my funny. pool. I'm sharing my ideas and my thoughts. I am not interested in your ideas and your thoughts because it's my blog, it's my pool. So I don't recommend like shutting off all comments because you do want to have some form of human interaction. But again, like Michael said, if someone's like slightly hating, you know, you don't have to take the bait. You can just press the block button. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it seems like that's it's one of our core human needs is to be recognized, appreciated, seen, um, heard. And yeah, I think generally, you know, being able to to offer those things to people and genuinely like I think that that comes goes back way back to when when we were talking about reaching out to people and how, you know, just a blanket statement where it's like, you know, clearly like it's just like copy and paste and there's no sort of like nothing to it is like the lack of recognition and being seen and being heard. And that doesn't feel good. <laughs> like, like all of us thrive on being, being appreciated, being seen, being heard. So I think learning how to authentically give that to people is one of the most valuable things that you can offer to your, to your fans too. And awesome thing to cultivate. I think also for musicians from a musician standpoint, I'm not a musician, but I do know thousands of them and both of my parents are artists. So I feel like I really kind of grew up in this and understanding about this. If you are putting yourself out there, your need is deeper than the average person's for that or else you would just record music in your basement and you would put it in a closet and you would never play it for anyone. It would, that's called something different, right? So when you have that need, oftentimes there's such an attachment to how is it landing? How is it feeling? What's going on with it? You forget everybody has that need. And like you just said, your fans have that need. The guy that writes at the newspaper has that need to be seen and some of us build platforms and we're seen much more often than others, but all of the people that are running blogs or have playlists, they are also running platforms and they also want to be seen. So by thinking that they're going to give you something without that reciprocal relationship of, I see you, you see me, it's a, it's a two-way street. That's back to the first question you asked is like, what's the biggest mistake that artists make? I, I believe that's like the, the biggest one. It's like, you're not seeing. And I, I wanna add one more quick thing. The music business of the past, which we build, and I love that you talk about this because I also love to talk about this, is like the music business of the 60s, the 70s. I'm talking about the Hendrix, the Hendrixes and the Joplins and the Led Zeppelins and the those artists, those icons, those people never had to deal with what you have to deal with as an artist. There was no social media. The reason why all those hair metal bands in the 80s got away with shagging every woman that came across their paths was because there was not 6,000 people with cameras at every possible turn taking photos where they could bust you for being disgusting. Like you can't get away with that stuff now. So this vision of, I want to be like Jimmy Page, I want to be like Hendrix, I want to be like Joplin, I want to be like Aretha. They came up in a world where they didn't have to do all this stuff. Many of them had almost zero, zero connection to their fans. They didn't have to. It was a different paradigm. So I want to, I know we're coming to the end of this, but I just want to presence that for those of you that like have hero worship and we should, I think we should all have like those artists who 
are our pinnacle artists, our ultimate artists. But if you're thinking about like an Eric Clapton's relationship, like personally to the thousands of people that followed him, it doesn't exist for him. It's a different paradigm. So I think getting that we're in a new world now, look at how Justin Bieber does it. Look at how Taylor Swift does it. Look at how these younger artists that really understand directly communicating with people on social media. Those are the ones to look at. You might still love Jimmy Page. <laughs> That's cool. But looking at them as your model on how they did it is going to get you into a lot of trouble from a PR and publicity standpoint. Yeah, that's so good. I, I think I'm going to intentionally make sure that this is the only time I use this analogy uh, throughout the event because this is one of my favorite analogies and it will tend to, I, I could probably bring it up in like every conversation, but the, the analogy that comes to mind when you describe that idea of like, of not necessarily doing what worked 60 years ago because that was a different time is that the analogy that, you know, we're all, we're all basically like surfers and and there's these different waves of things that, that happen. And if we happen to catch the momentum of a wave that's kind of like currently cresting, they can give us a big boost and we can shoot forward and we get like a, a, a bunch of momentum from it. But it seems like a lot of times what's happening is people are looking at a wave that's already passed, you know, in like 30 years ago, 60 years ago, and trying to catch up with this wave and exhausting all this energy and trying to catch over the wave that's, that's already passed when, or even one that, I don't know, a year ago, things change pretty quickly. Now, you know, there's a lot of different, a lot of different ways. And there's, there's so much, um, there's so much power that can come from being willing to, there's a bit of like, I, th I think there's a, you have to acknowledge uncertainty because like with a wave that hasn't come yet, I mean, it hasn't come yet. So it's not as, as crystal clear. It's not in hindsight, mm. everything is 2020, but like mm. uh, the trends that are coming right now, the cresting waves are the things that you can kind of feel, you can kind of feel like, Oh, like there's this about to happen. And you kind of can look back and be like, Hmm, based on all these things that happen, it seems like there's this, this wave coming and, you know, being able to like swim along with that and catch that and, sh and you get this huge boost of momentum. And I think it's like a, a really powerful skill set is learning how to, how to ride, how to ride those waves based on right now, what are the cresting waves while also acknowledging that, you know, all waves are made up of the same matter. Like they're all, they're all water and there's principles and there's found, there's things that don't ever change, right? There's mm -hmm. timeless things that always work, but at the same time, there's always new ways to new tactics, new strategies, things, and, and that learning to, to, see those and to swim along with them, even though that they haven't necessarily happened yet, can be a really uh, powerful model to, to use. Yeah, I think you just nailed like why I've managed to stay in business for 25 years, regardless of what waves, what the waves present. And that is what we teach, no matter what form it comes in, is how to be excellent at communicating. That is a skill that it doesn't matter where you are. And there's 11 artists in my book, Eli Love being one of them, for those of you who know him in the modern musician community, there's huge breakout pages, several pages long for some of the artists that talk about the journey that they went on and they exemplify excellent and mastery of their specific area of communication. 
For some, it's about getting publicity. For some, it's about getting house concerts. For some, it's about getting your tribe, like Eli, his is all about his tribe that comes along for the ride and supports him over and over and over in whatever he does. And he has no problem asking them because they're so thrilled to be along for the ride. You just did a, a $15,000 Kickstarter successfully. I know. Right? Just like I a know. few weeks ago. That was I awesome. know, I contributed. Amazing, right? And so you think about all of the successful people that you see now in music in some form or fashion, they have an area of mastery in communication. And there's many types. And that's what that mind map is about. Please come and download it. I would love to give it to you. It's part of the book. That's the mastery that we're talking about. And that is what will allow you to ride all of those waves. Yes, you might have to learn, no, here comes the playlisting wave. Here comes the damn TikTok wave. You know, there's going to be the waves that are annoying that will force you into being adaptable. But if you already know, like, excellent communication. And, and there's, of course, other things to know. Those waves as they come at you, you're going to ride them out so much better. Mm, that's powerful. Yeah, such good advice. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Ariel, thank you so much again for coming on the conference. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Congratulations on releasing your new book. It's an honor to be have been able to quote it on, on the book. And number one, that's incredible. And for anyone who's listening to this, I know we've talked about it uh, quite a bit throughout the interview, but if you haven't yet, make sure to definitely go check out the book. Really great stuff. Uh, Ariel's a gem of a human being, and she's been, not only have you been you know, doing this you know, 25 years, but what you just said about you know, being able to adapt you know, and to, to be able to grow through that, that's something that's super rare. You know, I think that it's, that's almost like, you don't see that very often. And I think the only way that you're able to do that is by being really centered in both the fundamentals and being a master at that. Like you said, is about communication, then also a willingness to have perspective and to be able to let go and to be able to, to adapt, I think takes a lot of character. So I appreciate, appreciate what you're doing. And thank you so much for being on the conference this year. Thank you so much for having me. It's always, it's my favorite time of year. Please also come download that communications map and get on my email list. I promise I won't annoy you. I love to communicate with people that way as well. Thank you for having me, Michael. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for being a part of it. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.